So this course is going to be on the, the science and development of halacha. Um, we're going to get into a lot. So th this, first, this first class is really just going to be an orientation to the topic, just so you kind of get a sense of what we're going to be getting into uh, throughout the year. I want to start with a story. You know, when I was when I was first married, you know, 14 years ago. So my wife was excited. You know, she had a pretty pretty deep background in the seminary world. You know, had been in seminary, which was un uncommon. You know, she was I think in seminary for six years or something like this. So she she stuck it out. She's been in seminary. Yeah. 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 She she definitely yeah she she. All over. She went to Chabad Seminary. I mean, that was actually part of the problem. Was you know, you know, someone who was like straight out of high school and wanting to stay in the seminary world. She was kind of too young, so it was always kind of jury rigging some way of finding a seminary to accept her. Well, she ended up in Neve, and she was in Neve for several years also. But seminary in yeshiva is very, very different, and we definitely <laughs> that was a theme. When, when, you know, the first year we were married, because, you know, I'd be in yeshiva for 10 hours, you know, slugging away at these very highly detailed, you know, nuances in halacha. And she was expecting me to come home with something that actually was meaningful. You know, what did you learn today? So we'd sit down, you know, we'd, you know she had supper ready, and, and, she, and she very much wanted to, you know, support me through yeshiva. You know, I, I, I definitely had... had uh, outlined where I wanted to go to become a rabbi and you know we were in this mission together so she felt pretty let down when I would come I think the first Gemara I was learning was Gemara Pesachim and it covers the the halachas of Pesach and so I come home and she said honey you know what were you learning today and I was describing in, in vivid and inappropriate detail about how they give the Paschal sacrifice. Oh, you know, no. how, how you skin the thing and how, how you put the skewer in it and where you put the guts. And you have to make a little, a little gut hat on the thing, on, on the animal you put on it. Just, it was horrific. 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 I'm sorry, we're not having lunch tonight. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> we learned that. And she. Yeah, right, yeah. No. No, I learned my lesson. How's the scary accident? <laughs> What'd you guys learn today at uh, seminary? Oh, we learned about corp pesos. No, so it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare for me. It was a nightmare for her because we just were not talking to each other. I wasn't coming away, and this isn't a detriment, you know, to the to the yeshiva system, but it's it's something to we're going to be tackling is. I wasn't coming away with anything meaningful to share. I was fundamentally missing the point of halacha. And my wife knew it, and I didn't. So what this this story is going to kind of be a, you know, the archetype of what we're going to try and do together in terms of Understanding, well, what are these details in halacha? Why are there so many details? You know, how is, halacha, how is the halacha process developed and decided? How has it evolved over more than 2,000 years? And not to fall into the trap of getting to, yes, appreciate the details, but not get stuck in the details. 
because then we never actually are able to appreciate to appreciate the actual goal of halacha, which is meaning. What my wife was looking for, and I just wasn't getting. So as, as far as ground rules for the course, um, you know, I was kind of for a lot. Of, I, I the major ground rule I like setting down. I don't think is going to be a problem with this group. Is we all have to talk. <laughs> Not to put you on the spot. Not yeah, you're fun. Not to put you on the spot, but we're uh, most people can't think without talking. That I think it's like I think it's like five percent of the population can actually have a thought without verbalizing it. I think that's so not true. Yeah, you think so? I feel like it's the most. I think. Well, why don't you just think about it? <laughs> Let's talk it out. See what we come up with. Like, why are you memorizing that so much? Just no, think about it. Because I feel, I feel like when I do talk, it's so much harder to think. And it's so, it's so much harder yeah. to think of what to say. Okay, I don't, true. And yeah, but there's a lot of reasons for that. Maybe you're part of the 5%. You know, I don't, I'm not going to switch on the spot. But it's, it, it, it's, we're, pro- we're probably, the reason why I'm bringing it up is because if we don't actually get into dialogue about what we're talking about, so I guess I end up doing a disservice to you guys because you don't really come out with anything in your hands. Um, and it's risky because when we talk, we say stupid things. I'm going to say stupid things. Hopefully, you will say stupid things. That's actually the point. I'm of so good at that. That's, that's I'm actually, so good at that. That's the, that's the, that's the, that, that's the point of talking because it's it's talking with people is actually testing out the ideas we have in our head. You know, when they're in our head, they sound pretty good. You know, it's like a, you ever have that? You ever that experience where like you have this awesome joke in your head? And you tell the joke to everybody, and they look at you, and some kind-hearted soul tells you, that was an inappropriate joke, don't say that again. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, there's, it's, it's a, it's a, (laughs) it's the way in which we test ourselves out is, and discover who we are and what we're thinking about by doing it with other people. So what we're going to be trying to figure out here together is exactly, well, what are the basic mechanisms of halakha? What's the structure of halakha? We're going to try and figure out, well, how, how did Halakha develop from Moshe Rabbeinu on to today, to today's rabbis? And hopefully by the end of it, we're going to be able to, to have some sort of, like I said, some sort of structure that with all these details and all how Halakha works, we're going to be able to have a system by which meaning can spring out of those details. So by the, by the end of this course, hopefully, just to kind of give some highlights, hopefully what we're going to, what you guys are going to come away with are things like being able to tell the difference between, you know, who, what's a Tana, what's an Amora, what's a Risho, and what's an Ahro, why are they different, how are they different. I'm telling you, I learned tomorrow, my school is mandatory for girls like yeah. tomorrow, we went to a very Zionistic, feminist, yeah. I hated that section. Uh. Really? I love that. So we're going to try and cover, well, what are the different understandings of truth? Because fundamentally, halach is, is a process, process of discovering truth, MS, meaning. And that's, depending upon different, different authorities, that meaning, what is MS, is going to be different for different rabbis. And we're going to discuss the disputes surrounding what is truth. Yeah. And we're going to review different halachic mechanisms of, you know, how do chazakas work and how do robes work and, you know, leaf nevers and robes. How, how, basically, these are, these are, these are uh, mechanisms in halacha that simplify how we uh, process the world around us, you know, because, I mean, listen, like, every, our, our experiences are just one mountain of data, just like, you know, 
attacking what you know, attacking our perceptions. You know, and it's it, the, there 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 are ways in which halacha tries to simplify human experience to be able to come out with some sort of some sort of decision on how to act in one's life. Can you repeat that sentence? And it's like tries to sim- like halacha can sometimes try to simplify. Try, our- tries to simplify our complex experiences of reality. And so these mechanisms basically do that. So, so hopefully by the end of the by the end of the course you guys are gonna we're gonna, we're gonna go through that. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. You're ready. Okay. Tries to simplify complex uh, the com- complexity of experience to make it manageable. So you can actually navigate through the world and do something meaningful. Okay. I don't get that though, because yeah. halacha tries to simplify the complex. It's more like we're trying to simplify the halacha. Yeah, what do you mean? Halacha is the complex thing that we're trying to simplify. It's pretty complex. Not as complex as reality How human is experience. Halacha on those grounds, simplifying something more complex. <laughs> Halacha doesn't. Halacha, the halacha of putting yep. your shoe on right foot, left foot just makes it much more complicated than just putting. No, no, halacha is always fine. You're not simplifying the halacha. I always no, put the right is. I know. Okay. Okay. Right, left, left, right. No, so that halacha yeah. isn't making yeah. anything simpler. It's just making it more complicated. I mean, there is a. It's, it, 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 there, I mean, there is an example. I'm a little, a little teaser. I mean that. That almost becomes a, a guiding principle of how to conduct yourself in the world. I mean, that's a symbolic action. It's not as though we're asking people to tie their shoes in a funny way because it's fun. To put on their right shoe first, meaning that every step, the initial steps they take should always be based on mercy and love for their fellow man. Yet we tie our left shoe first, which symbolizes order and law. That before you can actually set out and, and be a support and take responsibility for other people, to, to carry the burden of life, to love other people, it has to be rooted in a, in a, in a morality, uh, not, not, a, not a dead legal system, but a morality in which your actions have purpose and your actions are meaningful and you're judged based on your actions. That's how you love somebody. So it's that, that very much right there, you know, class 101, how to love somebody. You learn how to do that by putting on your shoes. I don't. How do Halacha simplifies complex reality. That's what he's saying. That simplifies. Yeah, that's what I'm writing. Love is pretty complex, so you learn how to do it by putting on your shoes. In a way that you can you can actually practically live in the world. That's 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 the long and short of halacha. So what we're, we're definitely going to be touching on big topics in this course. You know, you know things like Hashem's love for us and suffering in the world and what is our responsibility to our fellow man. But I'm going to also try and steer clear of that while trying not to steer clear of that because the, the, the basic emphasis in this course is going to be how halacha itself, as I kind of was illustrating that example, is supporting the ability for us to build meaning in our lives. So those are meaningful topics, but not exactly the emphasis of, of the course. Okay. Okay. Is there a? We could use the dry board. Is there a marker? Is this a marker? Yeah. All right. Cool. Halacha gives the 
I'm thinking three different things. Oh, Any thoughts about what I drew on the board? Tree. A cat. I can't see. I can't see. Oh, you can't see it? Here, am I in the way? The top looks like a face. I have to put that. It looks like a tree. What is it called? Okay, a tree? A tree and it's a... It's some animal. It's some animal. That's exactly what I I want to say it's a dog because I like dogs. You know, it started out as a dog, kind of like midway through, turned into a fox. I obviously... It's just an animal with four legs and a tail. I obviously... Okay. So... So I'm using this, I'm using this picture as a metaphor for... <laughs> for life. <laughs> for the problem of for the problem that artificial intelligence has in interpreting the world. Any 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 nerds in the course? I'm a nerd, so we're gonna have to just tolerate that. Artificial intelligence, all the guy all the robotics guys had a had a fundamental problem. They were developing artificial intelligence. They figured, well, what you do is you just, you know, you get your computer out, you start programming data and information that your artificial intelligence is gonna just have. So they, they thought, they, they kind of, you know, naively thought that they're going to be able to build, you know, machines that can do advanced problem solving without having to do much else than just write code. They were sorely mistaken. Something as simple as this, putting in, putting in front of the artificial intelligence to interpret, they can't do it. They get thrown off because, well, I mean, that sort of looks like a tree. If you have really good artificial intelligence, they'd be able to recognize that as a tree. But they get thrown off because they see, well, is this two objects? Is it one object? Is this actually three objects? Huh? They, the artificial intelligence, you know, in the early years, wouldn't be able to interpret this picture. But you guys all got it. I mean, it's some wacky animal hiding behind a tree, right? What they ended up discovering was that they actually, in order to get around this problem for artificial intelligence, they had to build artificial intelligence bodies. They had to actually construct robots first, and then program artificial intelligence. So they're they trying to plug that image into a computer yeah. with numbers, and they couldn't... Just couldn't make sense of it. So Why what, couldn't they make sense of it? Because you don't get the numbers. It's, it's not exact. Because it's, it's about perception. It's disembodied. It's a disembodied experience of the world. What does the word disembodied mean? It has no body. The, wor the world is, is designed to be experienced with a body. That's reality. That's the physical world. And this sort of thing, you know, they kind of thought of artificial intelligence as being able to just do it. You know, you say, it can just kind of make sense of the world and who needs a body. And that's a fair assumption to begin with. But it turned out it's, it's actually a not true assumption. To make sense of the world, you actually have to, to make sense of not even something as, as, as complex as that, but also concepts of love and, and caring and, and, and chesed. You actually need a body to figure those things out. You have to give body to disembodied information. But what was, cool, what was cool about it was they didn't have to improve the programming to get computers to understand stuff like this. All they had to do was give it a body. That was well, it. How did a body change? I don't understand. What? I don't understand how a body changed things. Yeah. Do you mean the physical parts? Mm -hmm. Physical parts give the robot arms and legs, give it a head, give it a way to move around in the world. And all of a sudden, things like this started to make sense. 
That's what that's what we're going to do. What does what does this have to do with halacha? Because kind of getting back to the question of halacha and meaning, well, you know, halacha is the is the body of spirituality, and there are spiritual concepts. There are things that are that are as real as real can be, like love, like caring, like taking responsibility. But those things only make sense when they get translated into a physical context, into a physical world. There's a medrash that, that kind of, uh, that very much describes this idea, which gets to the heart of, well, why did God create the world? Have you guys had that class? I'm sure you had that class already. Why did God create the world? Just ask that question. That's right. Why did God create the world? There you go. So, I mean, because because honestly, you know, well, why, why do we have to have physical bodies? Why can't we just be, you know, we're all neshamas. Why can't our neshamas just be hanging out with God and that's it? Same problem. That Hashem was showering us with love. He created us. Our neshamas were basking in, 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 the, in, the, in the divine love. You know, our, and didn't get it. We couldn't understand what the devil was going on. What ended up happening, says the Medrash, is that we started to develop a complex. You know, well, a little paranoia, why is God doing this? A little fear, you know, maybe this will stop. A little insecurity, I don't deserve any of this. In the Lushen of Chazal, they call it Nahama de Kisufa, you know, the bread of embarrassment. God was giving, 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 and simply put, we just didn't feel why. It was painful to be loved so much by God. So God's solution, just like our friends with artificial intelligence, said, these, these neshamas ain't getting it. We need to build them bodies. We need to build them a world. We need to create a, a, a stage, a context, where now they can actually physically interact with these spiritual ideas, like love, and understand them. And that hopefully throughout their lives, they will be challenged constantly with learning these, these ideas. And then hopefully, by the end of their life, when they come back to God, they'll be able to appreciate that God actually loves you. Won't be embarrassed. Because we'll have developed an understanding of what that means here. Simply put, Anishama is able to figure this picture out. That's the connection between the AI and this. Love's complex. You know, you, you have to bear your own burden. You know, we all have our own problems to figure out, and we don't want to put it on other people. We have to figure out how to, what, what actually speaks to other people. I mean, like the shared meaning of a society, for goodness sakes, is so complex. There's so much detail that goes into just relating you know, forget other people, which is which is a hassle enough, but just learning how to relate to yourselves is a pain in the neck sometimes. And learning how to relate to God in this world also. You know, halacha is organized into three general categories: bein adam luchavero, the halachas in vis-a-vis other people; bein adam laatzmo, halachas that are vis-a-vis you. How do you relate to yourself? And bein adam lumakom, how you relate to God. And so what halacha does basically is, well, you know, all these very important skills of being able to work out the details. I mean, being married, man, that's, that, that's a rough gig, you know? Like what, what another person cares about 
and wants wants cared about, you know, it's not, it's not obvious. You know, I mean, just, you know, just this morning, you know, my wife and I, like, I, I wasn't getting what she, you know, she had, she had a very, you know, strong value with what she wanted, uh, you know, getting, getting the kids ready this morning, and I just wasn't getting it, and, and it's not like it's objectively true what's better for the kids, and well, it might, might be, you know, more effective, and that's a different debate, but it was something that for me not to do was, was not showing caring of her, and for me to do was showing a lot of caring, but it wasn't obvious to me that that was the case. You know, it's not like I want to understand that ahead of time. I have to really, in order to, in the most basic relationships, have to really, really pay attention to, to the, the, the details, the nitty-gritty, to be able to constantly communicate, hey, I care. That's the complexity of halacha. That's right. That's the complexity of halacha. So, is, so with, that, with that in your pockets, you know, it starts to make a lot of sense why halacha is pretty complex. Because it's reflecting reality. It's reflecting how complex life is. It's kind of debating whether or not to get into this one, but it, it, put pushing the point even farther. Is it going to trigger us? Yeah. Hmm? Is it going to trigger us? Maybe. Can't promise it won't. This theme runs through halacha, even as far as when it comes to this idea of uh, divine retribution. Is that going to be triggering? What does that mean? God punishing people. What's going on with that? Um, Isn't a punishment? It could be a kapara. Yeah. Okay. So there's all these yeah. explanations for it. There's all these fun things. And I and I'm and 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 and. And, and sorting out the details is above my pay grade. I'm not. I'm not getting into that broad. Exactly. Uh, so how do we know? But the nature what of what we yeah. look at as punishment and bad is yeah. really good. What was your quote today about like all the bad in your life is actually just like oh um everything you're going through. It's basically like all the bad in your life is just preparing for, for what you asked ask for. for. Yeah. So like subjectively, like for all So I mean, all all these things are above my, like I said, above my my pay grade. But um, the 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 basic principle that I wanted to share is that it it is a dramatic misconception to think that you know that God's hanging out there just ready to potch everybody. You know, that's not that's not how divine punishment works. Wait a second. So I, I'm yeah. just trying Maybe. to still write a, second, a line for the halakha. Yeah. Halakha is still very complex because it's a reflection of the complexity it's trying of to... Of reality that it's trying to yes. uh, simplify. Because if that's my definition, I mean, then, then I have to kind of resolve... Onish. I have to resolve. Well, why do why, you know? Well, you know, what what does what does punishment mean then? Because well, that doesn't really fit into my theory thus far. That's that's my that's the challenge to my theory. Um, a lot of different shown tackled this question, and the basic consensus is that you know God's not up there deciding you know who's who's been naughty, who's been nice, and giving giving everybody poshes. Like Santa Claus, like Santa Claus right? <laughs> He's got a he's got a list, but that. Well, let me ask you. I mean, when I was when I was has anyone taught uh, touched a hot oven? What? Yes. Yeah. Wait, did you touch yeah, a hot oven? I've had boiling hot water poured on me. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Have you ever? I touched it. My brother just slowly. Did it hurt? What? Like no, 
Did it hurt? So I got blisters it hurt. Right. When I was when I was three years two years old, I think I don't remember this. My my parents were barbecuing, and so I was you know I was running around pretending to be a airplane or whatever it was, and yeah, right, and and touched the grill. And so my arm, I, my whole arm had been burned. It was wrapped for. Oh my lord. Yeah, like seeing seeing some my baby pictures just like breaks my heart. So we all kind of like we all intuitively pre, like you, you never you never hear anybody having a problem with well if they touch something hot they get burned. No one no one has a philosoph a philosophical argument against that. You know no one no one's up in arms. Of, the the, the wor- no one well with with God oftentimes people have this argument well you know God's not loving and he's not caring because well you know look at look at all the you know the bad stuff we get. Well I, the point the, the point here well no one ever does that with. Getting burned by an oven, right? No, you never heard anybody have an argument against getting burned, a philosophical argument against getting burned, right? Just like we accept, and it's, it lives, it's a part of the world, and watch out, you know. Look, look, look both ways when you cross the street, and we all accept that philosophically as fine. I mean, we're not happy with it, but we, we accept it as fine. Well, if we're going to argue that halacha is, 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 the, is the structure of meaning, that it's a reflection of, of all these all these really awesome spiritual principles. Well, Onish kind of works the same way. It works the same way as touching a hot oven. You know, God's not out to judge or get anybody. That's not the point. It just happens to be that if you touch a hot iron, it's going to hurt. If you do bad things, bad spiritual things are an effect. It's a cause and effect relationship, just like everything else. Does that mean bad spiritual things, like in the next, like in our, like in the next world, or? Um. Could be. Different have different things to say about that. You know, um, something as 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 stark as uh, the famous dispute between the Ramban and the Rambam. Whether well, what what is the afterlife? You know, the Ramban very takes a, takes a very literal interpretation of the afterlife. That there is a there is a definitive place called hell. There is a very definitive place called heaven, and you go to one of them. That's I the Ramban. that's the Ramban. I appreciate the Ramban a lot more, and I think he fits more into this 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 theory I'm, I'm presenting you all. The way he kind of describes it, there's no place of there's no hell. That doesn't exist. And there's no heaven either, so to speak. I mean, there is, but... So I got to issues with Which part? I'm about the punishment thing. Can I, can I, okay, can we swing back to it, and then you'll hit yeah. me with it? Yeah. Okay. Because this is... I'm, I'm addressing this a little bit. But that all, all the things that we learn in life, says the Rambam, develops our spiritual character. You know, he kind of looks at the goal of life is to is to the more we understand ourselves, the more we understand God. It's like the Rambam with with the man, the Rambam. That we're, we're our our neshamas are evolving. That's basically what he's describing. And so, however however evolved you are by the end of your life is what you are. So, if you are able to learn what love means in this world, well, that's a pretty good afterlife. That your neshama will be able to, like I said, getting back to that medrash, you're, you're, you'll be able to experience that with God. But if you, but if you don't, if you don't go through halacha, if you don't actually go through a process of learning, you might not ever end up what love's like. Man, that sounds like hell. All women aren't obligated in learning. Like man, that sounds like hell. It's not a, it's not a place. It's not a, you're not going to burn. It just happens to be that your neshama did not evolve to that state where you would be able to understand that spiritual concept. 
especially during the Rambam time, weren't, women weren't encouraged to learn, and that wasn't their main priority to understand and do the meaning behind things, even we'll, though the Rambam says that. We'll tackle that topic. Also, it's I have a question about the Rambam. It's not 100% true the way you're portraying it. There's a sort of is, but we're going we're gonna to tackle that in this course. I mean, course. women it's not, in the base. That's all I know. Not exactly. Yes and no. Yes, there's more, there's more ways to learn about life than sitting in a room all day. A question. So why do men do it all day? I've got two questions. Yeah, so going back, and then you, okay, yeah? That, um, wait, we didn't finish up. Okay, got that. I want to just, I want, like I said, look, I'm going to have to get to that. That's, that's, a, that's, a, big, that's a big topic, and we're going to discuss that. Okay. You're making good points, and there's, there's more to fill in there. Um, so certain things, like how, does that mean that like when bad things happen, it's a result of spiritual... Impurities, kind of. Well, I mean, it kind of, it kind of like uh, you know, good example. This you heard of the Rambam? Yeah. yeah. If I name drop stuff, but the, like as a, as a great example, you know, the Rambam says that the, the spiritual punishment of going outside when it's raining is you catch a cold. It's like that. But like the spiritual punishment, what would be that like, the spiritual punishment for someone getting sick? Mm-hmm. Why would that spiritual? be a punishment? I mean, generally speaking, people get sick is that they're not they're not protecting or keeping themselves safe from illness. Like you know, they they go into a hospital and wash their hands. They're going to get sick. No, what about there's a halacha? There's a halacha that a person has to protect themselves. And like when people die and like people are not well and all this stuff. Gets more complex and is above my pay grade. Okay. Is that the answer? A little bit. Well, I mean, like it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to be the. To, it's kind of hard for me to be the judge of everybody's life. No, I mean, it's, it's a hard thing to be the judge of everybody's life. I can't necessarily, you know, give a. I can't give a good answer to. Every, I know, but I love that you it, say it's because of the face. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to skirt around the question. But what I what I am trying to do is push back a little bit because I think there's an over an oversimplification where. You know, if I didn't, you know, getting back to the shoe tying, well, if I didn't tie my shoes properly, well, you know, God's going to hit me with a bus. No, that's, maybe you should look both ways before you cross the street. You know, it's... I'm going, I'm going Right. And I don't know. I mean, as far as spiritual, there's a lot of different, there's a, it's a class in of itself. Because it is true that, that, that the rabbis throughout the years have given possibilities of trying to understand tragedy. But the point is never accurately coming to a point. It must have really been that one day that, you know, the person, I don't know, misspoke to his mom, whatever it is. But it's, it's, it's instead trying to present a different way of relating to the world that, that, there's, that there's meaning going on around us and that the primary way of being able to not just survive life, but to actually get something out of life that's worth anything, is to constantly ask the question, why me, and how can I learn from this? So it's never, it's never going to be that anyone can ever give you a really good answer why anybody suffers. People suffer, and it's terrible. That's, that's my answer. People suffer, it's terrible. But the point's not so much arriving at an answer, but learning how to hold it. You know, as a, as a therapist, you know, people come in with horrible stuff. I mean, my day job is not fun. 
And I have yet to help anybody by giving them an answer why their mother treated them the way they did or why they have the particular, you know, why are they, why do they have bipolar disorder? Man, I don't know. But what ends up happening is that the way that, just the same way that Chazal try and give a, a map of meaning to understand suffering, to hold it, that's the only way people heal from those sorts of things. You never end up knowing why a person has any mental illness. You only learn how to hold it and to live a little bit more bravely and courageously in life. And, and that's the point of all the fun, fun statements of Chazal of why, you know, why this person suffers and why this bad thing happens. It's not, again, it's not to answer the question, but it's more learning how to live with the question. Is that a better answer than it's above my pay grade? Yeah. I hope so, yeah. You yeah. said that the goal in life basically is like for afterwards when we die is to appreciate that God really did love us and like that we form a connection with him. But what happens like when God gives a person so many challenges that like it affects the way they do love or the way they see things that like they can't they can't appreciate it and then by the time they come back like they just couldn't do it because of all the things that happened, they couldn't figure out like how to love properly, let's say. I don't believe it's impossible. I think it's pretty hard. I mean, the way I kind of relate to that, relate to that question, I have a, I have a client who um, suffers from borderline personality disorder. Any yeah, of you guys are familiar? That is like you do not want. That, that's a hard one. It's basically imagine going through life living without skin. That, that, that's basically the disorder. It's, just, it's emotion, exquisite emotional pain. Everything, it doesn't just hurt. If someone looks at you the wrong way, it doesn't just hurt a little bit. It hurts a lot. It hurts so much that self-harm is preferable as a distraction. So when you ask that question, I think about those sorts of people. That, that's their life. And those people come back from that. They, they learn how to, it's, it's almost like there's a difference between pain and suffering. Like most, I'm, I'm willing to bet most of, the, most of the, the, the pain we feel in life is not so much the pain of life, is, is more the suffering that we go through of the rumination and the, and the uh, constantly second-guessing ourselves and the, the bitterness we carry and the resentment. All the stuff we actually add to it. The things we do, to almost, it's almost like we use these sort of things as a, as a self-defense mechanism to try and avoid the pain of life. And we, just, and we just add on to it. And generally the way out of that is being willing to feel pain more and to stop avoiding it. So it, 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 that's, that's my knee-jerk reaction to those sorts, of ex, those sorts of examples of like, I know people who do that. I know people who go from wanting to end the whole thing to actually saying, you know what, I have pain and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to run from it. And they actually go on to lead really amazing lives. Because that's courage. I mean, like, courage isn't something that's, like, sweet and fuzzy and, you know, we like to pet it. I mean, like, courage and love and being vulnerable are, like, dangerous and painful. But the moment a person is actually then in a, in a, in a position to want to go forward with that, you get to cash in on how much it's worth also. And those things are worth something. It's like for the, it's like behind every pain is a dream. 
something kind of like that. It's like th- things hurt you because they're meaningful. And without being willing to feel that pain, well, you're just not going to be able to feel the meaning behind it. That's suffering. <coughs> Victor Frank, you heard of Victor Frankl? Cool guy. He he developed something called logotherapy. He um he went through the camps. He was logotherapy. Logo? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a humanistic it's a humanistic approach to therapy where um, you know trying to fill in the meaning of life. That was basically what he was tackling. And he was a he was a psychologist before going into the camps, and um, he wrote a really cool book, Man's Search for Meaning. If you haven't read it, read it. That's him, Man's Search for Meaning. I don't know the story he tells. You know they were they were him and a couple of buddies are ready to bail out of this camp. I mean they're in a death camp. It's not a pretty place to be. And he had a patient, he was a doctor, you know, being a psychiatrist, psychologist, he went through medical school, and people needed him there. He wasn't willing to leave. The last minute he said, you know, I have a patient here who needs me, I need to see him through, I'm not leaving with you guys. And he says for himself, the fact he was willing to feel that pain, because it meant something to him, to stand by his patient, to not abandon him to death, that, that he, re- he remembers that day in his life, he never felt more free in his life. He felt happy he didn't escape a death camp. I don't know if I could say such a thing, but people say it. So it's like, again, like, I have a big, I have a big, I have never experienced it. I can't swear to it, but I've met enough people who can that I'll, I'm willing to, I'm willing to be fine with that, that challenge of life. That what? Sorry. The question, can people actually end up learning how to not just deal with suffering, but deal with it where it's meaningful? I think, it, I think they can. Back to your question. That was your question. I mean, I don't, that yeah, was no, more. No, you answered it. Okay. That more or less does it for me. Mm-hmm. That's halacha. Yeah. <laughs> Questions, comments? Concerns. Thank you. 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 Thank you.